Welcome! I'm an international adoptee and host of the Anna Ginger Show who believes that we all experience adoption in our lives. We actively choose the people, values, and experiences that create who we are and who we are yet to be. And this is why I invite you to listen to the guests and creative content that guide us to knowing that we each have a home in this world, cradled in the belief that we belong, that we are worthy, and that we are loved. So stay tuned and you may discover your own adoption story. Our guests today are mother and daughter and neighbors of mine, and they are women of many talents, including woodworker, registered nurse, photographer, volunteer, networker, student, landscape designer, traveler, all sorts of good things. I'm going to let you figure out which of these talents belong to which. I'm going to have you first introduce each other um, to our listeners. So we'll start with mother. Who are you? So my name is Susan, and I am a nurse. I didn't want to hold anybody in suspense there. So uh, I also am an adoptee. I was adopted when I was just an infant, so no exciting stories that I can remember. But um, I also love to do a whole bunch of things that you mentioned, but I don't want to spoil anything. Well, we'll get more into it, definitely. So now, would you introduce yourself, and who is next? I'm Maya. I'm a student. (laughs) Here at Ohio University, go Bobcats, as they say. Mm -hmm. And you like to travel. And yeah. you are, and you are the photographer. So uh, let me tell you about Maya quickly, because we'll talk more about this. So Maya takes these amazing photographs, and so for those listeners who know me, I love my dog Floyd, and so he, he, we create a calendar that comes out, and every month there's a different picture of Floyd. And Maya is such a talented photographer, I think that there were four photographs of Floyd that made it into the Floyd 2023 calendar that are on calendars across the nation and world. So there's even some Floyd calendars in England with Maya's photography. So Maya, thank you so much for capturing those incredible pictures. And we'll talk more about that. But Susan, we're going to talk, let's go back to your adoption story. So you were adopted as an infant. And were you told always that you knew that you were an adoptee? Or was it just kind of, you found out later? What What's your story? So what I remember, I, I think I was around seven or eight years old. And one of my aunts was pregnant and very much showing. And so I was having that whole discussion with my mom and asking her if I came out of her belly and all, you know, asking those kind of inquisitive questions that kids do. And she said, well, actually, no. And then, you know, told me that I was adopted. And I don't remember much, actually, after she said no. Um, It just kind of goes blank after that. It was... um, I guess kind of shocking in some respects. And then as I look back, not as shocking because I have never really felt uh, like, uh, I always felt like an outsider. So um, not because my parents treated me any differently or any of my family, but there was something that just didn't quite fit that I I knew. And um, I, I don't know, I guess that solidified everything whenever she she said that. Mm, so it confirmed the truth that you probably knew something was different. And then she was able to 
give you the gift, which was the truth about how you came into this world. Yes. And so you talked about feeling an outsider. And so did that carry into your formative years, into adulthood? Or how does that change who you were when you found out that information? Um, so I, you know, looking back, um, yeah, I, I'm sure I carried it with me. Um, but there were a lot of things going on in my family at the time. Um, when I was three, my mom was diagnosed with MS. And so, um, the world kind of started revolving around, uh, her and treating her disease. You know, she was only 33, I think, when she was diagnosed and 33 or 34. Um, anyhow, she, uh, you know, was, a a young, healthy woman, and then all of a sudden started becoming debilitated. And so uh, my parents had been high school sweethearts and been married since they had been 20 years old, and uh, they were trying to go to various doctors and whatever. So this would have been back in the 70s when she was diagnosed, and they did not have any of the medications that they have now or really understood what uh, MS was and how it could be treated or at least slowed down. So um, things kind of switched between, um, you know, my sister and I, I have an older sister that's about uh, eight years older than I am, uh, about being, you know, kind of family and kid focused to sort of more focusing on on my mom and her health. And, um, you know, they we did family things and, you know, did all the traditional holiday gatherings and stuff, but there was always that looming doctor's appointment or, you know, tried medicine or, you know, whatever that was, that was always kind of hanging out there. So it sounds like in some ways um, in your childhood, in those early years that the, um, your mom's health became the focus. Yeah, very much so. And, you know, it was hard for it not to be. And as I got older and more mobile and involved in things, I just stayed busy. So I really didn't have to deal with it. And uh, I, I remember, you know, my mom just getting progressively worse. She never really went into remission. So we didn't have uh, uh, any years, really, that she just wasn't progressively getting worse. So I just, uh, like any good kid that it likes to live in some other world, I stayed busy and didn't have to face it if I wasn't at home. So I, I tried to stay away as much as possible. And so I was involved in a bunch of stuff in school and sports and church and pretty much anything that would keep me from being at home. So what in some ways, too, though, you ended up ha having to care for your mom in ways that were pretty significant and helpful. Yeah. Um, so, you know, my, it got to a point where she had had aspiration pneumonia a couple times. And the first time she had it, she was in the hospital for a couple weeks. And um, after the second time, uh, I think it was the second time my dad opted to uh, go ahead and have a feeding tube inserted. And all the while she was able to be cared for at home. And I think it was after the second time, um, he started having home care. So there was somebody with my mom throughout the day when he was at work. Um, and then he retired when he was 55 so he could care for her at home. And, you know, I commend him for that. And he always said that, you know, she would have done the same thing for him. So I know they very much loved one another and, uh, they certainly 
had a, a very close bond and relationship, but it certainly wasn't what they anticipated when they got married. But, um, you know, he was a good example as a, as a caregiver and a stable, loving figure in my life, which I'm very thankful for. Mm. Well, one of the things that um, I admire about you, Susan, is that you now work as a registered nurse, but there's so many ways that you care for others in your volunteer work and the ways that you care for neighbors. We always are gathering on your porch because you're bringing (laughs) people together and it creates this sense of community and family. And so do you think being an adoptee or do you think that the way that you have grown up, do you think that how you see the world is through your mother's illness and caring for others? Where, where does that care of community come from? Well, uh, both my parents were involved in the church that I grew up in. I grew up in a Methodist church, and uh, my dad was on the board or on council and was the treasurer for a long time. He, he was in uh, banking for his career. And my mom um, served on the altar committee and whatever other committees. And so they were both involved in uh, the, oh, the band organization. Um, like the boosters? Yeah, the band boosters. Thank mm-hmm. you. And uh, I can't remember what else, but they were always, you know, trying to help out uh, when I was growing up and baseball and and different things. They would bring the snacks and so forth. But so I saw that as an example of them always kind of giving back to the community. And my dad got involved and um, did United Way for a couple of years and was on that board. And so they kind of set the stage. um, And it wasn't um, like a expectation, but to me it was just being part of uh, a responsible community. You know, you you do what you can to help improve the area that you're living in. And so that's just always been my inclination. And, you know, I'm very fortunate that they set that example. And I I think it's it's an important example to have. And it certainly helped shape, you know, my life and, and who I am and my values. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm feel really lucky about that. Let's also talk about like, so you had a great mom and you had a great dad. And as you thought about becoming a parent, when you're thinking about you find out that you're going to have twin girls. So what made you think about what kind of mother you wanted to be? I think what kind of mother I wanted to be and what kind of mother I initially was were two different things, unfortunately. Um, you know, I wanted to be a supportive parent and I wanted to be present and, um, you know, just basically love my kids the best that I could. Um, but now that I look back, you know, I, I suffered from depression and anxiety that I didn't face until I the kids were around nine. And so when they were younger, I didn't understand uh, the social anxiety and my fear of being around crowds and everything. And I've gotten over that. Um, But until I I understood that, you know, I don't think I was, I was very good at always being a participatory parent like my parents were and wasn't always um, as good of a parent as I wanted to be. But you know, we all do the best we can, and uh, hopefully one day my kids can understand that. 
Well, I think you're an amazing parent because I've come to know Maya and Maddie, and they are just these beautiful, wonderful, talented human beings. So you must have done something right. So Maya, when you hear your mom talk about what kind of mom that she wanted to be and what she was, what kind of mom do you think you have? Um, she's my favorite mom. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel like she definitely cares. Like, I can come to her, like, if I need something or, like, she takes care of me a lot. Yeah, and your mom is funny and sassy, too. So I think that I imagine that must be fun and then it must be just like any mother-daughter relationship can be complicated where we take our parents for granted or we're like, oh, gosh, like my mom, I was saying in another episode, used to belly dance in front of the picture window and I just wanted to die of embarrassment. <laughs> so, so I think it's just a common thing between mothers and, and daughters especially. But Maya, one of the things that you do is, again, we were talking about your photography and you're able to capture these moments in a beautiful way. But the other thing that I've noticed about you is that you have this passion and care for animals, which I have as well, because again, I talked about Floyd, the dog that is uh, my furry family member. So last, a couple of days ago, we went searching for a um, stray dog that was running around in our neighborhood. And I was just so impressed with how caring you were to be able to find this dog that doesn't have a home, trying to find his way. Where do you think that care for living creatures comes from? Uh, I think probably because I I've never lived without a pet. Like, there was always an animal around since I was born. Um, and, yeah, I, I guess, like, my my other dog, Stewie, he was good. Um, and when he died, he had been in more than half my life. So I just, like, grew up with him. Yeah, and I think that speaks yeah. to parenting to be able to have a pet in the household if you can, because I do think that having a pet teaches you compassion and to be able to care and to be responsible for a living creature that doesn't really have a voice of their own. And so that's what I notice about you, Maya, is that you um, are so compassionate. And like I see how you take care of Floyd and Leo, who is your dog, who is Floyd's friend. And so I, I just really appreciate that. And one of the things that we do on the show on our social media is we have this pet adoption um, Friday where we spotlight a pet that we've adopted into our family. And Linnea, who's our social media manager, does such a great job of doing that. And so I encourage our listeners, if you have a pet that you like to spotlight and you've adopted into your home, to submit those um, pet stories too, because I think they really shape who we are when we have animals in our in our lives. So I think what I hear from your story, both you, Susan, and Maya, and Maddie, who's in New York right now, um, is that I think that you take all these things and make like with Susan, like you are also a woodworker, and you talk about how you take and accentuate its natural beauty through functional items such as tables, cutting boards, which we have one, which I absolutely love. I don't even want to use it because I want it to last forever, and it's truly a work of art. It makes the world really, truly beautiful having you and all your gifts and talents in the world. And so the song that Nick Kazernas, who is our music director, picked for us is a song titled The World is So Beautiful. So we're going to listen to a little bit about it. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about why he picked this song for us, and then we'll come back and talk a little bit more to close out. You ready for Nick's song? Okay, here we go. 
We were just listening to The World is So Beautiful, composed by Nick Kazernis, and he wrote, This song was written during lockdown, and at a time I was trying to create some positive music, not so much as an escape from tough times, but as hopefully something nice and uplifting to help get through challenging times. And so I'm going to talk a little bit more about why Nick picked this song. But um, Susan and Maya, what do you think about Nick's song that he picked for today's episode? I think it sets a nice mellow tone. And uh, one thing that it would be nice is if the world just kind of stepped back and, and mellowed out a little bit. Everything's so intense and polarized now. Um, we need a little more uh, moderation and and a little more relaxed, uh, a little more of a relaxed dynamic, I think, than yeah. what we have right now. And how about for you, Maya? Uh, I think it sounded peaceful, so it, it's like a nice escape if you just lay down and listen to it and you don't have to think about like anything negative. Yeah, I agree. I love that song that Nick picked. And then he added another piece that I'll read, which makes me blush a little bit. But he wrote, as long as I've known Anna, she has been a great role model for staying positive and seeing the best in people, situations and challenges. Anna was a joy to work with back at Wright State. I was really quite ordinary, but Anna was a joy to work with back at Wright State University. And I'm so grateful that she stayed in touch and given me an opportunity to work with her again on this wonderful show. So thank you, Nick, for those kind words. And also, I love that you were writing this song during a time where it was really where we were asked to be able to um, to isolate from each other because of COVID, but that you were trying to create something beautiful in a time of darkness. And I think that's what we're all trying to do, whether as a nurse, a woodworker, or a photographer. So I'm going to ask um, Susan and Maya to ask me, what questions do you have for me as an adoptee? And, and Susan, you in particular have been so supportive of the Anna Ginger Show and, and introducing me to two of our guests, actually three of our guests, and making those connections. Why do you think this show is important? Or what things do you think the listeners should know about me? Or what questions do you think they're asking? Um, well, one thing that I, I think is a is a good question that I can't necessarily understand because I could have blended in um, with my family, uh, but you do not look anything like your family. So what was it like growing up um, knowing that you definitely were not part or biologically a part of your family? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, the funny thing is, again, there was no question because if you looked at the family pictures or if I just looked around my house, I obviously was not like the other. And so my sisters and brother, my maiden name was Sorterberg, which is a Norwegian family. <laughs> so I was telling you the other night, so when we would do roll call at school, they would say, Anna Sorterberg, and they imagined the teachers, this blonde-haired little house on the prairie girl, raised her hand. Now, I did wear, which is shockingly terrible, Little House on the Prairie dresses, but I was this little Asian girl that said, here, and the teachers would say, eh, 
Yeah, are you sure your name isn't Kim or <laughs> what is your name kind of thing? And my sister, who was named Simone Soderberg, they would see her, who she definitely did not want to wear little house in the party dresses because she was cool. So she got asked to prom. I did not. You can visualize and understand why. <laughs> I wore the little house on the prairie dresses with the white tights and the black boots. Oh, in my. High, high school. <laughs> and when I got my butt kicked. So not only did I visually not look like anyone in Iowa, which is a very homogenous population, but then I did not do myself any favors making myself an outsider by dressing up in Little House in the Prairie dresses. Well, the, that's in nowadays. <laughs> that's, it. that's called cottage core. I was ahead of my time. Oh, Thank you, you were Maya. a trendsetter. I was a trendsetter. So all of those things about who we are, whether those things I couldn't help, my appearance, but those things that I could help, my dress, always made me feel like an outsider kind of thing. And so I think that's why when you what I appreciate about you, Susan, is that you're always welcoming people into your home and into your life. And for me, I do the same. I tend to over-invite because I know what it feels like to be excluded. So sometimes I'll invite people to your porch because I don't want them to be left out. But I don't know. Now, most people are welcome. Uh, really, uh, I, I think the only people that aren't welcome is if they're narrow-minded or really mean. E- egocentric yeah, and mean and there's no one kind of unspoken rule in my house is there's no titles. So if you're a doctor, uh, whatever, it's not doctor, whatever, or pastor, whatever. It's just whoever you are, you know. Come and as you are. Yeah, you kind of strip strip down those that outer layer and just get down to who you are. I I just can't stand the pretense of anything. So I love that. Yeah. So tell us why you're supportive of the Anna Ginger Show. As an adoptee, um, I imagine that we have that connection. But why do you think that this show, why are you so supportive? I think um, it can be difficult for people um, that have been adopted or feel like outsiders to know that they are part of a larger community. And for me, family just, it's not about the biological aspect of it. Um, outside of my own two girls, I, I don't have a biological family. Uh, I just have the adoptive family. So for me, family is, is who you bring into your life. And, uh, you know, the definition is, is pretty broad in, in my world. And it's in some ways uh, kind of nice because my family is who I want it to be. Um, I think everybody has family that they're born into that they don't necessarily want to spend any time with. Uh, Paul Thorne uh, has a song. I can't remember the title of it, but uh, one of the verses is, I I don't like all the people that I love. And it, it is true, I think, uh, in some family situations. So I, I feel like getting people's stories out and just kind of breaking those barriers and making it more of a normal thing and helping people realize that they're not, um, they're not alone, that, you know, if they feel like they don't belong where they're at, then there is some place that you do belong. Um, depending upon where you're at and your age, um, I think can, can definitely change or um, help help or hurt, you know, how you're feeling about being adopted and belonging and 
So for younger people, I know in my 20s I felt a little lost, but I don't think that's just me. I think that's kind of a common common thing in your 20s. But part of it was, a big part of it was uh, being adopted. And so just that feeling of not being wanted. And and then I flipped the script at some point in my life and realized how lucky I was to be in a family that did want me and, you know, cared about me and loved me. And God knows I, I probably wasn't an easy child in a lot of respects for my, my dad because I... I challenged him in in some ways, not in in drug related or you know acting out behavior, but um, you know I, I have opinions and I'm pretty strong in my opinions, and so we didn't always see eye to eye on issues, and uh, it was good that we challenged each other, but I'm sure it wasn't always easy as a parent. Yeah, but I think just like with you and um, your daughters, I think at the center of it is love. And it sounds like your parents and your family loved you. You love your daughters and they love you. And those that you choose to be part of your family that come and gather on your porch love you, Susan. And we love you, Maya and Maddie, too. So a heartfelt thanks to Susan and Maya. Maddie, you're part of this, too. Woot, woot. And thank you for sharing your story. And Nick Kazernis for selecting a song to match to our stories. Thank you to Adam Rich with WUB for engineering and editing today's program. And our subject matter expert is Dr. Melissa Rizzo. And our storytelling consultant is Zoe Lambert, Ms. Fabulous. Our creative and editing team includes Maddie, Maya, Alexa, Linnea, Mark, and Baxter. And our music producer is Nick Kazernis, who again, um, not only selected the song for today, but does our show's theme song, Way to Me. And I am your host, Anna Jinja, signing off with a reminder that the key to unlocking all things good in this world is love. Here, you are loved and you are home. Always a friend and fan, this is Anna Ginger wishing you days filled with love, laughter, and peace. Mm-hmm.